Welcome to Mental Healthy, where we share the stories and expertise of professionals working diligently in the field of mental health. I'm your host today, Dr. Kenyon Knapp. Well, welcome everyone to the Mental Healthy Podcast. We're glad to have you with us here today. Um, I've got some great guests today, and we're going to talk about a new topic about COVID and uh, a number of different aspects of that. But uh, today, I've got Dr. Christy Ford, Dr. Eric Camden, and Dr. Linda Holloway with us. So let me uh, ask you all to introduce yourselves a little bit and let the listeners get to know you and maybe where you're coming from and what aspect of the mental health field that you're working in. So um, uh, Dr. Holloway, would you maybe go first? Yes, sure. Uh, Thank you for having me. I am in the great state of Alabama. I'm in Montgomery, Alabama, and I'm currently at Alabama State University. I've been in uh, higher education over 27 years. And so I'm just really, really looking forward to uh, this particular podcast. So I'm super excited about it. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And Dr. Ford, why don't you share with us about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Dr. Knapp. Um, So I'm Dr. Christy Ford, and I live in the panhandle of Florida. I uh, serve Liberty University as the program director for the online clinical mental health counseling program. Um, But I also have a private practice in Mariana, Florida called Hope Springs Counseling Group, where I have uh, multiple interns at varying levels. Some are still in their master's programs. Uh, Others have um, graduated from master's programs and are working on Florida licensure. That's great. And last but not least, Dr. Camden, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, Dr. Knapp, and thank you for having me here. I love the title of the the podcast. uh, mental health, and so I think that's that's fitting for a counseling podcast. Um, uh, I'm Dr. Camden, Eric Camden. I'm a core faculty member here at Liberty University, uh, and I live in Virginia in kind of the southwest corner, So, um, uh, but excited to be here, and uh, I work part-time uh, about 10 hours a week at a, a local Christian private practice. There's about six offices spread out in southwest Virginia, um, uh, but that's what I do part-time. Great. Well, you all represent a, a broad swath of the mental health field, which is nice and lots of experience. So that's going to be helpful. Um, we're talking about COVID today. Um, it, it's been going on for, you know, ballpark about two years or so around the world and it affected so many things. And I'll be honest, I've, I've sort of avoided it per se because I felt like, you know, we were all in the chaos of it and it was just happening all around us. But but now it's it's been around long enough. I think that we've we've had a chance to adapt to it, and we've we've seen some of the side effects of it. But um, you know, it, this is sort of a chance for us to sort of summarize a little bit of what we've learned and what you've experienced in your practices and how you've seen it affect the world around you. So um, so let's go ahead and dive into this a little bit. And I know our listeners, wherever they are in the whole planet, <laughs> can relate to what we're talking about today. Um, Dr. Holloway, let me let me start with you. Let me ask you, um, you know, what has been some of the impact that you've seen with COVID-19 on your work environment, for example? Thank you. Excellent question. I actually, as I mentioned earlier, I work at Alabama State University, which is a historically black college. And so we have students that um, from all walks of life, they're um, first generation students from marginalized, oppressed community. And as I mentioned, um, mostly African-Americans. So in terms of my workplace, there was a lot of, you know, just being afraid. But we're a residential school. 
I'm in the master's program. We have two programs, school counseling and clinical mental health. Because uh, it is a residential program, there was that whole technology trying to make that transition to that. So there was a lot of anxiety around that, uh, not having, making sure that we had the bandwidth, also making sure that our students, because we deal with digital divide, we have, they can come on campus and actually use the lab. So we had a lot of things to actually deal with when it had to deal with COVID. And COVID took a really great hit in the African-American community for various reasons. Um, so hopefully I answered that from the perspective, but those were some of the really major challenges. And in terms of mental health, as I mentioned, we deal with anxiety, depression, uh, a lot of my students actually deal with losing their elderly parents. So just a lot of different things from all walks of life and trying to navigate. But not only just from a student perspective, but also from the faculty perspective. Um, just trying to navigate technology and realizing what you did not know and what you needed to know in order to uh, streamline things and to make that process uh, strategically where students could be online, we can continue that education process. Yeah, absolutely. I know I relate to you, Dr. Holloway, that um, I work primarily in a residential setting, but but I encountered the exact same things as you. Like our teaching had to immediately go online and everything you're saying about the technology and all that, that, that definitely was a challenge for some folks who are less familiar. But now Dr. Camden, Dr. Ford, you all work in an online setting to begin with. Um, I guess I'm wondering how did you see COVID affect your work experience as far as being online professors? Yeah, no, I think we still saw um, a lot of impact uh, stress with students. Um, and while the online clinical mental health program is predominantly online, um, we do have intensives uh, where students are required to come to campus uh, for a week at a time to learn uh, skills. And uh, just like when you're saying, we had three or four days to suddenly take an entire intensive format and throw that whole thing uh, online. And it was very stressful. It was stressful on the students. It was stressful for faculty who were trying to, to navigate the urgency of it. Um, but I would say even in the ongoing online community with our students, it, it was um, I have COVID. Can I turn in a sign? Uh, can I get some extensions? Can I get some grace? Can I um, can I uh, have some more time? Um, I'm struggling with COVID. My child has COVID. My husband has COVID. My wife, you know, and so we immediately uh, saw an uptick in the stress level of students trying to navigate. Uh, the pandemic while they were um, in classes full time. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, Dr. Holloway, you, you touched on something about not just students. You mentioned faculty earlier. Um, let's talk about faculty for a minute because um, it certainly affected all of us as well. Um, I, I know Dr. Camden, when we were speaking previously, you, you talked about some of the effects that you saw for some of your colleagues regarding their professional experiences secondary to COVID-19. Uh, what were some of the effects that you saw um, um, in with colleagues in regards to COVID? Yeah, from a from a uh, from a private practice perspective, um, gosh, we we did have to move from virtual to 
or excuse me, from in-person sessions to virtual sessions. We were using Zoom and virtual sessions for for some clients who had trouble getting into the office, but we really had to to increase that probably tenfold. That added some technology barriers. Um, uh, you know, we were meeting with clients who who had COVID. They were well enough to participate, and so that was a, a strength, I think. But still, it was you know it was kind of hard to to meet some specific needs and um, and follow through was a little bit difficult to some degree. Also, um, we had to cover for each other, uh, not so much from a licensed provider standpoint because of our caseloads, uh, but administrative staff, front desk uh, staff, uh, they 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 really had to cover for each other and. Um, they had to drive up to different offices and cover the phones and some of those things. And so that placed strain on their work life, uh, plus their, their home life, uh, getting home later than they normally would, or uh, having to, to fulfill two or three roles versus just the one role. Um, morale, you know, this is just a, a strange time where we're kind of living in the same things that our clients are living in uh, the same uh, experiences that our clients are living in. And, and while that, can be the case to some degree. Generally, uh, we're not always going through a pandemic um, at the same time as, as our clients. And, and so that was that was tough for people to just conceptualize. Um, I remember talking with one colleague and she was saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having my own grief and loss issues related to COVID, my own thoughts about vaccinations and boosters, and I'm having to really shift gears from client to client. Uh, and not uh, not impose my beliefs, which is a you know that, that's one of our core competencies anyway. But it was difficult for her, and I think for a lot of us to stay neutral in that moment when there are very strong beliefs on both sides of of uh, kind of the COVID equation. Yeah, what well, you mentioned there um, with the private practice piece, and you know a lot of our listeners to this podcast are in private practice as well. Um, how you had to shift to using, you said Zoom, and um, and I know there was all kinds of, um, not just technological challenges, but ethical as well, like with encryption and confidentiality and things like that. And um, here at Liberty, we actually had a committee get together and they, they did a whole training on how to do telemental health well and how to handle all the technology and ethical issues and all that, But but I know all around the country and around the world, mental health professionals were challenged with that. Um, did did any of you encounter those? I know you mentioned Dr. Camden these things already, but did Dr. Ford or Dr. Holloway, did you encounter any of the technology or ethical challenges of your private practice moving to the online format as well or, or not? Yeah. Um- I can definitely speak to that at our private practice. I think you had a a dual anxiety, dual stress, right? One was the stress and anxiety just of the pandemic itself, but the other is the stress and anxiety of an an immediate increase in a need for technology understanding. How do we apply things we barely understand, have used in limited uh, capacities, to now it's the primary modality for how we're administering therapy. And so I saw a lot of panic and anxiety, particularly among CITs at our practice, who um, we did some telemental health training, right? But we all know, you know, watching it in a training module is not the same thing as sitting with a client in this new format and really trying to translate that relationship in a whole new way, right? You have barriers there uh, where you've learned your solar skills. You know, how do you make eye contact online 
I mean, it, it's really, there's a challenge there. I think we saw a parallel process there as we were trying to teach these intensives online, because what we're teaching in intensives are these basic helping skills, right? The solar skills, the active listening skills, how to do group counseling, right? What that, what that means to reflect and really listen and build rapport and cohesion in a group. Um, we're seeing this in these intensives classes with stress. Like, how do you do that, right? So here we are in class. Let's practice these skills online. Um, but then I was seeing the same thing in my CITs in practice, dealing with real clients, trying to um, build that rapport, carry the relationship, but also make real gains in mental health in this online platform. And then you have this other, it's like a third wave, right? The third wave is our clients, maybe we've been seeing them for several sessions for depression or anxiety. Suddenly gains that had been made were going backwards, right? So not only are we trying to figure out how to do this in an online world, it seems like simultaneously the clients are getting worse, right? Like you're actually seeing um, increases in symptoms while you're trying to balance uh, learning new technology. I, I, can you also mention the, the ethics of it, right? So part of this was HIPAA compliance, right? How do you, how do, you do these things, um, both in terms of, if you think of FERPA in the academic world, HIPAA in the practice world, how do you maintain ethical standards and very suddenly learn the technology uh, so that you can do these things in an online world. It was challenging. Very, very stressful season. I think we felt the learning curve on multiple fronts. Yeah. Did you observe some of these dynamics too, Dr. Holloway? Yes, and I'm actually coming from, I know that people are speaking from that private practice, but I'm coming as an academician in the classroom. So uh -huh. when you look at the students who are in their clinicals, uh, which would be our internship and our practicum. That's where we saw that. And trying to, as everyone has said, you know, how do you do telecommunication? They were concerned about how do they get their hours? How do they complete their face-to-face? -face? So all of those were really challenging. And even uh, we are KCREP accredited program, so we were reaching out to them saying, hey, how do, how do we handle this? Students was frightened because we had students that were graduating. And um, just a little caveat, I am a veteran of over 27 years, boots on ground, four comeback tours. And I thought, man, I could I could deal with this. But you're talking about a war. I felt like I was not prepared for this. But at the same time, as a leader, you're trying to hold it all together and make it seem as if you knew which way to, if I could, if I could say it, lead the troops, lead the students. And they're looking to you for answers. And I realized that it was okay to say, hey, I'm in this Titanic with you, and uh, we're, we're going to figure it out together how to uh, start teaching with compassion. So I would say even just right down to, you said, well, what were the challenges? Like even my syllabus, having to go back to my syllabi. I didn't have anything on there about COVID. I didn't have anything on there, like she mentioned earlier, about turning in assignments, what that should look like. So there was a lot of um, modification and changing it but particularly in our clinical areas, also our clinical courses um, and uh, skills courses, like I teach group dynamic, one aspect is, I'm trying to figure out how do I get them, in the past they've been able to observe uh, group counseling, uh, be a part of a group counseling session. I'm like, 
how do I make this happen virtually? And so it was just, a, it was a lot in trying to navigate that while at the same time wanting to give the best service to your students who are customers so that they would not feel like they got the short end of the stick and they were actually getting what they needed. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for your service. I, did, I didn't know that you were a veteran. Yes. That's great. <laughs> Um, well, you started to touch on one of the next things I wanted to talk about that we could all relate to uh, is um, the, the impact that COVID has had on our teaching. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned some assignments and changing your syllabi, but, but I know for all of you, COVID has affected the way you teach, the format in which you teach. L let's delve into that a little bit. Um, which one of you would like to share first about how, how COVID has impacted your teaching? Yeah, Dr. Camden? I think, you know, Dr. Ford mentioned earlier going from in-person intensives for our, our uh, basic counseling skills and our group counseling course to online. When things started easing a little bit, and maybe easing isn't the right word, but um, when things started to, to where we could start meeting face-to-face -face again for those intensives, students were provided the option uh, to attend in-person or virtual. And uh, I taught two of those intensives. One was a uh, basic uh, counseling skills course, and one was group, and about 60% uh, of each class, so, um, well, about 60% uh, elected the uh, the virtual attendance, and so uh, having to, to meet the needs of the virtual students um, while you're synchronous with students, you, you know, at the same time was really quite difficult, uh, and that was an adjustment for, for me and, and some other professors that were in the same uh, same boat, but I think feedback from from students was pretty positive in knowing that hey, we know you're trying to meet all of our needs. We know it's difficult. There was really a, a level of grace that uh, that I appreciated uh, from a student standpoint. Um, but that was one of the challenges was having to navigate the combined virtual and uh, in-person courses. Sure. Well, what about either Dr. Ford or Dr. Hollow? How do you notice that it's impacted your teaching? Besides the things you mentioned already, what other ways has it affected your teaching? I'll jump you know, in. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Holloway. Go um, ahead. For me, because uh, I am the program coordinator, one of the things we did was we actually, you know, there's asynchronization and synchronization. So because of the level that we were dealing with in terms of our students, in terms of their anxiety and just trying to figure everything out, we actually had quite a few synchronized course. And we found that our students really, so we met at the same time uh, as we would as we were in person. And so as you're navigating this terrain, you realize, okay, there's Zoom fatigue. You realize that should they have their cameras on and off, uh, netiquette. So all of these things was trying to still um, treat them as adults and to make it a conducive learning environment. So there was a lot of adjustments, a lot of us, um, and I like that Candace mentioned the word grace, uh, is um, you know just being kind and grateful and, and letting people know. And I actually went out and looked at some studies about where the cameras, because that was just a big issue with some of my colleagues. It, it was not with me, uh, you know, that they should have their cameras on at all times. And the studies that I looked at actually said that, that 
course, I didn't share this with the students, but there was no correlation between whether they had their cameras on and off, whether or not that learning was a decrease or increase. But we did want to see them visually, obviously, so that we could do that. I normally do check-ins, but I told you doing the Zoom thing, I really went in and one night I forgot to do it. And the students say, you didn't check in with us. And I realized that that was really important because as everyone has mentioned, they were going through a lot. Thank you. Sorry about that, Ms. Dr. No you know, I think that's uh, interesting, Dr. Holloway, that you picked up on the word grace. I think that was the same word that I was picking up from uh, from Dr. Candon's thoughts. I uh, a lot of the adjustment from my perspective for myself and other faculty was um, how do we meet the learning outcomes uh, when there's just this collective need um, for everyone to take a step back. I would even say to think creatively and outside the box, right? Because there are things that we have been accustomed to doing. They are our routine. When you have a, a KCREP accredited program with faculty who is accustomed to checking off boxes, following a syllabus, right? Like those schedules are the schedules, the learning outcomes are there. And uh, I don't know that it would be intentionally rigid as much as it is just an expectation that we are meeting certain standards, right? Uh, and when COVID turned everything upside down, I think we all had to think creatively and and just figure some things out. In uh, in Christian thought, we have this idea of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. I think we were, you know, we were used to keeping the letter of the law, and we had to really think creatively about what is the spirit of the law. You know, what what is the core of this learning outcome, and is there a way that we can do this um, creatively? Uh, so that the students are still gaining what they need. And I think in our conversations, there were a lot of these parallel process conversations that came up, right? That the same things that we're experiencing here in academia, uh, the mental health field is changing. We are literally watching a culture shift in mental health counseling. Dr. Camden, you alluded to this earlier. You know, telemental health might have been 10% of my practice, right? It was used at, to increase access to services. That was the bottom line. It was not a primary mode uh, for delivering counseling services, but when the world turned upside down, it you know it flipped. Right now, 90% of what we're doing is online, and 10% is in person. So, if this is what we're going to be doing in the real world, right? This has shifted the way we do therapy, then it makes sense that we might also be shifting in the classroom. Right, so how do we how do we have conversations where we're connecting those parallel processes so that our students? are being prepared to go out into to a brave new world, right? It really has, um, it really has changed. Um, yeah, I I will give someone else a turn. That, I, I just think that it's, a, it, it's really been, it has been both challenging and fascinating. I'll say that. It's challenging and fascinating and, to watch. And, and just briefly, uh, Dr. Ford, you mentioned the, the 90 and 10% kind of breakdown there. We've had clients, uh, I think they're just kind of done with telehealth and, and they say, I really miss being in person. I miss that. You know, I can feel the relationship with you as the as the uh, as the counselor and client. Can I just come in person? And of course, yes. Uh, you know, at least our our practice and policies, we're, we're back to um, to being more in person now. But it has increased, or at least when when COVID started, typically no shows for new patients were about or new clients were about 25 percent. Um that rose to about 50 to 60% uh, during the height of COVID uh, that they just wouldn't wouldn't show. And so we had to be creative on 
uh, either calling and reaching out and, and saying, and that was no shows for in person. Uh, and so we had to be creative about, you know, five minutes after they didn't show up. Hey, we were on the phone calling or admin, administrative staff were on the phone calling, seeing if we could reschedule as a Zoom appointment. And, and that that helped decrease that no show rate that helped salvage some of those appointments. Yeah, you know, I'll go down a rabbit trail here for a second. Um, you all mentioned that each, all of your programs are KCARP accredited. And of course, I work here at Liberty as well, and our programs are KCARP accredited. Um, I, I was on the KCARP board for five years, and I got off about two and a half years ago. And it was interesting. I, I was chair of the training committee on the KCARP board for a good part of the time I was on the board. And so about a year or so after I got off the board, COVID really hit. And then none of the universities wanted to have a, a site team coming in from the outside because you know, everyone was freaking out and shutting down everything and all this. And so KCREP immediately and all the other specialized creditors said, oh, we have to shift to doing a, um, a virtual site visit instead of doing the uh, traditional site visit. And I remember I got a phone call from some people at KCREP about, you know, let's work together on putting together some kind of training or something. And it was chaotic for them as well. <laughs> and um, I mean, they, they did it. And, you know, there's some wonderful, hardworking people there. But um, what happened, though, in the meantime, is it was chaos for them, just like it was for everybody else. And um, they had to delay um, a number of site visits. And uh, what happened was the way accreditation works, which you all know, is there's a constant steady stream of, of reaccreditations going on and reviewing programs, but there developed a backlog in the accreditation process because because of COVID. And so um, now we we've had to um, shift it. N not only are we teaching online and using all this Zoom video and WebEx and Teams and all these other video conferencing software, but accreditation had to do the exact same thing. So all the adjustments we had as professors, they had as accreditors. And um, but then, of course, you know, if you're going to have quality with accreditation work, which is the goal of all of it, um, they had to have some trainings on how to do virtual site visits. And that was a challenge in and of itself. Um, and then now there's the backlog. So. Uh, next month, I'm going on an accreditation. Well, I'm saying I'm going. <laughs> I'm doing a virtual accreditation site visit for an institution. And um, and I know that KCREP and a lot of other specialized accreditors are trying to play catch up right now on all these different, you know, um, accreditation visits. It, it's sort of like the supply chain, you know, like on TV now you hear all people talking about this product, that product is backlogged. And um, from an education perspective, the exact same thing happened with backlogged accreditation. Um, fortunately, KCREP was gracious, like we've you all have used that word a number of times, that they were gracious and cut people slack and extended certain things and, you know, um, gave institutions the freedom they needed to to adjust. But um, but that's certainly been a challenge as well. So anyway rabbit trail but i thought <laughs> there's a number of our listeners who could probably relate to that and maybe appreciate hearing that hopefully a little bit of backstory so um but let, let me shift things a little bit here in the conversation we, we've been talking as as counselor educators a little bit um 
I know for us, every one of you has been saying it's stressful, all the ways we've had to adjust. Let's talk a little bit about some personal uh, wellness strategies, um, dealing with our own illness-related anxieties that, w- that we have to deal with, uh, maybe anxieties we have to deal with in, in treating the CITs, the, the counselors and training that we're dealing with. What, what are some thoughts you have about ways that we as counselor educators have had to deal with our own wellness and anxiety issues? What, what thoughts do you have? Maybe Dr. Ford? Well, I think as we're all going through this together, I've had COVID myself three times, right? I mean, it did seriously impact me. I was one of those, what they call the long haulers, right? Like where I was on steroids for four months. I just never, I couldn't get, just couldn't seem to get back to normal. And so there's a, um, you know, I guess there's a, a, a validation there. Again, it's, it's this feeling of we're all doing the best we can. Right. So as I give myself grace, I'm giving my students grace. We're all hanging in there. You mentioned the backlog, right? Like there's this sense of like everybody just has to be more patient. We have to be more patient with ourselves. We have to be more patient with each other. And I think that's one of the things that I learned for myself during that time. Right. Was that my own wellness practice personally was going to have a direct impact on my attitude. And that was going to be modeled for my students for the CITs at the practice, for the way I teach, for it's gonna be modeled in the way I'm training and doing supervision. And then that's ultimately gonna roll over into client work where we're all modeling this self-care, wellness. I've gotta take care of myself and be strong so that I can then help the next person. Um, and then that comes out in, in, in other words, I could say, you know what, nope, we gotta push through, we gotta push through. If I push through too hard, I'm never going to get well. So then that means in my supervision or in my teaching, I'm telling everybody, we've all got to just be more patient with ourselves right now. Everybody just take a deep breath and we're just going to do the best we can. And then that language then trickles down into our work with our clients of what does it look like to just take a cultural collective deep breath, literally, because we're all struggling (laughs) to breathe with our COVID lungs, right? Like, let's just take a collective deep breath and give grace to one another and be more patient with ourselves. What does it look like when life slows down just a little? I don't think we've, any of us like it. I don't think it's very American um, to slow down, but I think that it it has been a, a lesson for us all, right? In, in maybe in looking for the silver lining, maybe it's a lesson in saying, hey, we could we could all really use some better wellness practices. Maybe we were going too hard. You know, we need to to stop and take our vitamins and take a nap and do a reasonable amount of work for today and then let that be enough for today. And then tomorrow will come with its own troubles and we'll deal with those then. Um, So I think for me, it's the trickle down, right? It's the opposite of the backlog, right? In wellness, it's a trickle down. It's I have to take care of myself and then I have to let that language infuse my teaching and infuse my supervision. And then that's going to trickle down to the clients, which moves into culture of just a collective wellness recheck, right? Like I need to do a wellness check in myself, in my practice, in my teaching methods, in a program, and then ultimately um, watching how that impacts our communities. Well, I had no idea, Dr. Ford, you had COVID three times. Three times, yeah. 
goodness gracious, that's that's pretty rough. <laughs> us today as well. We hope you enjoy the podcast and learn something new every time. And we'll look forward to seeing you all in the next podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Healthy. Please be sure to subscribe for more episodes and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you join us next time for more on Mental Healthy. Music for this podcast is licensed under Creative Commons by Excel Music Publishing at freemusicpublicdomain.com. Thank you.